This episode of the Link Up Podcast is brought to you by Moody & Co. CBD is everywhere these days, from supplement and nutrition stores to gas station displays. With so many options, how can anyone make sense of what to buy, how to properly dose, or trust in the quality and purity of the products? Luckily, our friends at Moody & Co. have all your bases covered. Moody & Co.'s products started their life, hand-grown, and cultivated following strict organic growing practices in the fertile soil of the West Tennessee Delta. Each hemp plant was hand-planted on their family-operated farm, fed only high-quality organic nutrients, and finished their life free of any toxic pesticides and sprays. Moody & Co.'s world-class extraction and manufacturing partners are FDA-grade and CGMP compliant, so you can be sure each and every product is of the highest quality. What about potency and purity? Each of Moody & Co.'s products is third-party, lab-tested before and after the manufacturing process, and the tests are available for you right on their website. Their website is www.moodyand.co. I'll spell that for you. That's www.moodyand.co. How about that for transparency? Dosing instructions are on each bottle and their tinctures feature graduated droppers so you can be sure you are taking exactly what you need. With all the uncertainty about what goes into the products that go into you, you can rest easy with Moody & Co. CBD. Available at www.moodyand.co or on the shelf in Memphis and Oxford, Mississippi locations of Nail Bar & Co. Once again, I'll spell that website for you. It's www.moodyand.co. And now to our episode. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, I think it's they're gonna, I think they're gonna ban it all eventually, anyways, because you know, you hear about those people that drink, I don't know why they're drinking this many, but they drink like six or seven energy drinks a day. Like those, they were drinking like monsters like that and Red Bulls, and then they ended up like developing some kind of health, serious health issues and they're dying from it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of people that have had like heart attacks from it. They've had, um, they've been talking about it more like, um, heart attacks, heart issues. And they're young, like they like have no family history of like heart issues or anything like that. But they'll have like um, uh, a heart attack at like twenty. There was this one girl; she drank like I think it was the Redcon Total War, and they uh, put it online, and she had a uh, she had two scoops, which is like five hundred milligrams, hmm. and she went to cardiac arrest at like twenty one years old. Damn, that's scary. Mm-hmm. So like now like for the rest of yeah, for like now for the rest of her life, she's gonna have to like be careful what she's intaking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even like with me, like I had my heart attack at um thirty three. Like I try to make sure like with everything that I take, like is I got to be as conscious as possible. Like minimal amounts of like you know caffeine or and even with like just making sure that I go to the doctor like every like four to six months just to get like my heart checked out blood work. Cause I have a family history of heart issues. Like on my dad's side was heart attacks on my mom's side is strokes. So like, I have to like be on, on the safe side of everything. 
What did the heart attack feel like? Honest to God, like, I thought I was having an anxiety attack. Like, I thought I was literally having an anxiety attack. Like, so, um, I have anxiety. I've always had it, like, just because I was, like, um, bullied and picked on as a kid. So, like, I've always felt, like, uncomfortable within, like, my own skin a lot of the time. So, when I had the heart attack, I was at work. And I was like, oh, man, like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I think I'm just in a mood or something. And then when I went to the bathroom and I passed right out. And then I, when I came to, I was like, I told my boss, I was like, I just passed out in the bathroom. I don't know what's wrong with me. And then um, he's like, go to the hospital and like figure it out. And I was like, no, I can finish work. Like, I'll do it after work. He's like, no, leave now or we're calling 911 and you're going to go regardless. And so I went to the hospital and they said that I had a minor heart attack. Um, and that's when I found out I was like over 400 pounds and it was, it was crazy. Like it felt like a massive weight on my chest. Like I couldn't breathe. And then it was like this pain sensation and like numbness going up like my left side. <laughs> and it was probably the most scary feeling I've ever had with the amount of pain, like, cause you don't know what the hell's happening. You just know, like, it's just something's not right. Like something's going on inside. And, um, I, I wish I could say like the heart attack scared me straight because it was, um, I had so much stress, you know, I was planning a wedding. My stepdaughter was pregnant and like, it was just so much at once, like switching jobs, switching places where I was working and trying to support five people, you know, and it, I never felt pressure like that. And I didn't know what to do. And like, I just ate and ate and ate and ate and ate. And, uh, you know, cause that's how I dealt with every bit of my feelings and every part of my emotions. But I just was, I went to food. I never talked about it. We never dealt with it. You know, <laughs> I mean, I just ate and, you know, it was, I was killing myself. I really was. I was a hundred percent killing myself. But, you know, like the using food as comfort, comfort, you know, like you always have like a lot of people, um, food or alcohol is like a go-to. Yeah. As, you know, because it's like something that brings you enjoyment, you know, as but I'm just like, because when I was really big too, like I, I'm not, I'm still guilty of it. Sometimes I'll get stressed out, but I'm catching myself more and more now when I do get stressed out and I just don't give in, you know, like to like, cause I, yeah, you know, <clears throat> I just got, I just started a new route on my, with my job. And uh, I'm now in, now I am in um, bars and restaurants instead of like convenience stores. And when I first, oh, last week on Monday, you know, I was acting like I wasn't like stressed or nervous because this one girl was freaking out that we work with because they switched her out, switched her around too. And yeah. um, I'm just like nervous as fuck. Like in Yui's, I'm like stuttering while I'm talking, like extra stuttering. And like, I was like, I just had to think because all I wanted to do was go grab some alcohol from Yui's after my boss left me and you know, so I could stop being so nervous and shit about it. But yeah. I didn't. And <clears throat> which was good because I probably would have gotten in trouble. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that I use also, man, it's a, is food and um, sometimes alcohol. Well, that's the thing. Like it's easy, accessible. 
You know what I mean? Like you go to a convenience store and everything's there. Like there's donuts, there's cakes, there's cookies, there's chocolate bars, there's all that shit, right? And you can go and same thing with liquor and it's 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 easy accessible. You know, like it's the it's a drug, right? Like if you if you you use it that way. Like I'll give you a perfect example. You want to get a six pack of donuts or a protein bar. The protein bar costs more more than the donuts. You know what I mean? There's you're always gonna have that protein. We know is better for you, but you're gonna it's cheaper for a donut. You know that's why like there's such an epidemic with obesity. It's like it's it's cheaper. Most families will go for the cheaper option first to save money. You know, and then you have like you know when people get stressed like. They either smoke a cigarette, they'll drink, or they'll eat. They'll have one of the two going with that, you know? And, like, cigarette prices are now, they're cheaper than crack. Like, you can go get crack on the street and, and pay less than you do for a box of Newport Hundreds. You know? So, like, it's, it's they make this accessible and easy for people just so that way it's almost like they want to keep you in a certain lane. Like, it's now not normal to be healthy. It's normal to be unhealthy it's more accepted to be unhealthy, you know, and I'm not talking about like the healthy at every size movement. That's a uh, subject for like, we can go off hours on that. <laughs> yeah. Like it's one of those things where it's like, if people are, their minds become enslaved to this idealistic view that you can't, you won't, and you shouldn't. And you put shackles on your own thoughts like, it's not normal to think outside of the box. It's not normal to believe in yourself anymore. It's normal to think, believe that you can't versus you can. And then you have these people and these corporations and this all this shit that's just propagated and put out into your face that, well, I can't do this because this is in the way, or I can't do this because that's in the way, or, you know, this is hard. So, you know, I did one thing good for myself today. So let me do 10 things that are detrimental. It doesn't it's not logical to me now back then it was like, so it's easier to be less than, than want to be the best of you. You know what I mean? Like people mm -hmm. don't accept that people don't, people don't want to be great. They're just happy being mediocre. And when you have somebody that wants to like be great and recognize, Hey, I got opportunities within myself. Like this stuff, like, Cause I can walk into a convenience store every day. I see that six pack of donuts just looking at me. I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know what? I could fuck you up right now, but I will also feel like shit about it because one, I don't eat that way anymore. So sometimes like if you eat something that's bad or quote unquote bad or something that's not part of your system, it might mess your stomach up Two, what's it in the long term going to gain. You know what I mean? Like you can have, like if it's a one-off thing, yeah, that's fine. But if you're having a one-off thing, like every day of the week, it's not a one-off thing. That's part of your diet now, you know. So it, it's okay to say to yourself, "Look, I can have this and I can let it go." But if you can have it and you can't let it go, then that's when you know that's a trigger for you, and you got to swerve around that. I completely agree with that. It's like a yeah. little bit of mouth pleasure for what, you know? Because yeah. in the end, you like know, you like, said, you're you're sitting your yeah, it's like whatever you're doing now is setting your future up, good or bad. So, like, if you put that donut on your body and you don't do anything, it's just going to put pounds on you. And you're just going to feel even more miserable after the fact. Well, two things, you're going to feel bad about eating it. And then all that sugar that's in those donuts, when you're coming off that sugar, you're going to feel like shit from the, from the, from the crash. Yep, 
hundred percent. And people a lot of the time don't think about that stuff. Like food is fuel, you know, like, yeah, you know, if like, if you're going out with your wife, your girl, your husband, whatever, yeah, go out, have a good time. Don't think twice about it. Give yourself the moments to enjoy those moments. You know what I mean? But if all you are doing is enjoying those moments and you have no discipline, and that's the thing, it's not motivation, it's discipline. Like mm-hmm. being disciplined, like having that mindset and being aware of like, look, I may not like doing, I may not, is doing what you got to do versus doing what you want to do. You know, I want to go, like, I, I want to go out all the time and hang out with my boys, go drinking and have some stuff like that. But what's the, what's the end game? What's the point of it? Like, I'm going to spend money on, in, on basically waste. You know what I mean? Like, if I would take, if I would take money and throw it in a fire, everybody would look at me like I'm crazy. You know, but if I say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go and spend money on all this looking, all this food, eat and drink to the point where I throw up, it's literally the same thing. I've literally just thrown money into a fire and watched it burn mm-hmm. where I can get my chicken, my rice, my vegetables and have that and do that for five days a week. And then on that one day, go out with my boys. I can still have a good time. I just won't drink. I'll just I might have a little snack here and there, but I'm not going to binge and overeat. And I'm just going to enjoy myself and enjoy the company. There's nothing wrong with that. However, if you can't, if you can't control that, then don't put yourself in that environment, you know? Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I think it was Bedros. What was his name? Tony? Bedros or something like that? Bedros. Be- Bedros. He said it best, like, you know, start, start working on yourself and stop going to happy hour with your friends and see how long those people stay your friends. That's a little yeah. longer clip than that, but that's what I remember from that. It's kind of like, you know, that's like. True. If you don't go hang out with your people, and then, you know, they're going to be like, oh, well, fuck him. Why is he doing this instead of coming with us? And they're going to start judging you and asking questions, right? It's just part of life. And that's the thing. Like, your real friends will stay around with you. Yeah. Your real friends will stay around with you. If, like, if you, as soon as you start changing up, like, you'll see who starts, like, going by a side. And that's not just a weight loss. That's with life, bro. As soon as you start doing some positive shit or some shit that's a little bit different, then what the what the norm is with your crew of people, you'll see who really fucks with you and who really doesn't. If you are hell-bent on getting this promotion and you want to stay on your job and you say, oh, why aren't you coming out? And then you see people start falling away, then let you know like they weren't really there for you. If you want a weight loss journey, and I got friends that are healthy, got friends that are not healthy. Like, And then there's a couple that stayed around with me that aren't healthy. That was my true friends. If there are a couple of people that stayed or that didn't stay around because I wasn't a funny fat guy anymore, hey, then that's on you. Then we really weren't that close to begin with. You know, like it's it's when the wind I always I always say this, when the wind starts blowing, you see who really is a fixture in your life and who's just gonna blow away like a dandelion and like some paper in the wind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it sucks, but sometimes like it's the best thing for you because you know it's either you have 25 pennies, uh, you have like, what is it? You have a hundred pennies or four quarters. Mm. Sometimes that four quarters is all you need, man. You need just a core group of people that got your back and that's it. Or you have so many people in, that's behind you that when shit hit, gets real, they're just going to walk right away. And then next thing you know, you broke, you can be people rich or pocket poor. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I look at it like that, man. Like I got realistically about two or three people that I count on like that's in my corner and those those two or three people like 
are invaluable to me. But when I was heavy, I would be around hundreds of people and they all say they was my boys or my friends or like they was fuck they would fuck with me, like they would be cool with me. But then when I didn't want to be around that, they didn't want to be around me. So now were these people were these people bigger too? Yeah. Some yeah, some no. Some people were like you know, some were like they felt a little type of way because I changed up. So they didn't want to be around me because I was bigger and I recognized I had a problem and then they were bigger too. And then some of them, they were in shape, but they didn't want to be around me because like I would make them feel better about themselves because of how I look. Oh, wow. If I looked a certain certain type of way, you know what I mean? They felt better being around me because it's like if I'm right next to them, it's like I make them look better. You know what I mean? That's fucked. But it happens, you know what I mean. And now, then, when I when I switched up and I started looking a lot better than them, they had problems. Mm, you're taking right. away their their shine. Yeah, you used to be the fat friend. Yeah, now you're like, like the damn. Look at that guy, friend. And that's and that was the problem. And sometimes people feel insecure about that. And I was like, bro, if if you feel that type of way about that's the problem within you, man. Like you gotta go get that shit fixed because you know, like people just. People are assholes a lot of the time. Like, let's call it spade yeah. spade. Like, people are assholes. You know what I mean? But the more you realize it, it's like a lot of people you really don't need. You mm. really don't need. If you got your core group, that's all you need. People, like, it is what it is, man. Like, I don't, I don't think twice about what a lot of people think or say. I used to. I used to bother me a lot when people would say certain things like, you know, like, you change, you're different. Or, you know, I miss the, I miss the, 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 the chunky version of you, you know, like I, I used to hear that shit a lot. And it's so crazy. People say <clears throat> shit like that, man. Yeah. And then I, and I say like, I, I say it like this, like, okay, well, fuck you then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't really care. Like, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. That's on you. If you got a problem with it, that sucks to be you because I'm cool with me. So I'm I'm, I'm going to keep riding the way I want to ride. If you don't like it, then I don't need to ride with you. It wasn't really that cool to begin with. Like, when you start this journey of not just weight loss, but self-betterment, sometimes you really can't care what anybody else is thinking. You got to do what's best for you. Like, it's okay to be selfish. Like, like it is okay to be selfish because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of nobody else. If you don't put your own needs and wants first and take care of home, like, how can you take care of others? It's like, I know people that go to work and all they do is clean stuff up, right? They will clean up, like, whether it be bathrooms or receiving areas, warehouses and whatever, and they all you go to their house and it's a mess. Mm. Like, why would you clean some? Why would you clean somebody else's house before you clean your own? Yeah. Why would you put gas in somebody else's gas tank and yours is on empty? You know what I mean? Like, that makes no sense. Like, fill yourself up, and then once you are fulfilled, then you can help other people. Then you can be there for other people. But if once you fulfill yourself and fulfill how you feel about yourself as a person, like the power of fuck it. Like you won't care what they think, what they say, what they do, how they act, what they, what comments they got. Okay, well you say what you want to say. I'm gonna keep doing what I'm doing. So you don't care what I say? No, I really don't. I can give a flying fuck what you say, what you think, how you feel. I care about what I think, what I say, and what I feel because it's my life. 
you know, and like if the more people think within that that mind frame, like the better it will be for me. Like I feel like the mind, the world will be a better place because like so many people do not take care of themselves. Like it's it's baffling to me, like how people can just go through life and be like and then complain about it. Like literally complain about it. Like you're going to complain about how your life shit, but you don't want to do nothing for it. Like you're, 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 and then when you talk about it, it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm scared to take this step. Well, that's on you. Like courage is doing what is right despite fear. Like I was scared shitless to lose this weight. I was scared shitless. What if I fail again? You know, like, but then I had to say to myself, like, what have I learned from my previous failures? How can I be better for my failures? You know? And is it truly a failure or is it just setting me up for my most successful moment? Mm. You know, like, and so when I see people complain or, oh, I can't, I, it's, a, it's so hard. Well, yeah, life's hard. It ain't going to be easy. Like, it's not gum, it's not uh, unicorns and rainbows and all this other shit. Like, it's fucking hard. That's why a select few can do this. And each journey is different. Because each toolbox is different. Like if you got, if you have no mental issues but a bunch of physical issues and hormone issues, that's different than somebody who has mental issues and has mental blocks about what they're doing. It. Like for me, when food was my comfort, you know, I that started for me young because I was molested as a child, and I just went into food. You know, like food was my comfort. I didn't tell my mom that I was molested until I was 22 years old. You know. So like it was it was a massive deal for me to realistically think like, wow, I can really like change my mindset. I had to change my mind. I had no physical reason why I couldn't lose weight. I had no hormonal issues. I had no physical limitations. I had no like arthritis. I had no bone issues. I had nothing. All my shit was mental for me. Like there are people who have physical ailments, but have the mental and then there are people who have the mental problems and the physical. Like mine was pure based mental because I didn't, I never processed what it, everything that was happening with me um, because I was molested. And I realized that that was the stem of my coping mechanism using food to feel good, you know? And it, it, it really hurt my, um, my growth as a human being because if I were to get myself in therapy earlier, I probably would have never had a heart attack. You know, I probably would have never had a heart attack, but it took that heart attack for me to real to realize like, look, motherfucker, you need to change some shit up. You got to be like, be a, a, a true adult and deal with the problems and not put a bandaid on it, you know? Yeah. So at what age did you get molested? Three. Oh shit, man. Fuck. Yeah, my um, my dad was on drugs and he sold me for drugs. So, you know, and um, my mom never knew about it. Um, I kept that with I kept that with me for a while, you know, and um, the only person I told was my grandmother. And I told her when I was eight years old and um, I begged her not to tell my mom. And she said, I'll keep my word. I won't tell her. And, um, I told him when I was 22 years old. So I held that that whole time. 
I was fucked up. Like anybody would touch me, I'll just start crying. Like I was so emotional. And because I cried, I was bullied. And then I, because I was bullied, I ate. And because I got bigger, I got even bullied more. So it just kept the snowbell cut rolling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and that went on for like a year. So from like from ages three to four, I was um, I was molested, and then it was like my, my I don't know what happened. No, why do you, I can't remember like what happened with it? Why it stopped? Um, I don't know if my dad like got like a new dealer or something like that. But at one point, like the guy would come over, and the next point, I never saw him again. I actually saw him when I was working. Um, I want to say about four years ago, right after I lost the weight. And well, it's been five years now, but I want to say four years ago, I was working in one of the stores over in, um, cause I'm in Rhode Island. So I was working in Lake Cranston and I recognized him. He didn't recognize me. And then I walked up to him. I was like, you don't know me, do you? He's like, no. I was like, yeah. I was like, you, yes. Like you really do. And I told him, I was like, I was like, you know, my name's Levi. And I was like, I was like, I'm Levi. And I have my, I'm junior. So like, I was like, I'm Levi's son. And I was like, I remember you fully. And I'm bigger than him. I'm stronger than him. And I was like, do yourself a favor and get out of my store. And he got, he's like, he's like, all right. Took his stuff and left. And he's like in his sixties, almost seven years old now. You know, wife, kids, kids, uh, same, close to the same age as me. I'll be 38. I think they're in their 30s or some shit, you know, and that moment there was just like, I always thought like what would happen if I saw him again, how I would be. And I was really shocked at how I grew as a person to have like the strength to not just see him, but to talk to him. Mm. And that was that was extremely powerful for me that helped my mental health so much just because that moment that held so much power over me. I took that power back. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was, it was, it was freeing for not just my mind, but for my spirit that I let that shit go, that I was man enough to admit that this happened, but also that it doesn't define me, but it's a defining moment for my mental health that I took the power back. You know what I mean? I took the power back from being three years old to where at that point I was on it. I was 30, 34. And yeah, I took, it was, it made me grow as an individual. Like I've never been like, it was just, everything just went forward so much. And then that year COVID happened. <laughs> so yeah, like literally a couple months after that we had COVID. So Wow. Man. Do you have a relationship with your dad now? No. Had, did you ever talk. bring it up to him that you knew what happened or remember what happened? When he had his heart attack. Really? Um when um yeah, a couple months after that happened, he had a heart attack and we went over to um Rhode Island Hospital. And I, he tried to, I don't want to say rationalize it. He just kept saying like, he made mistakes. And I was like, all right, look, I forgive you for, and I told him, I was like, I forgive you for your mistakes, you know, but 
man to man, father and son. I needed you mm. and you weren't there for me. You couldn't be there for me. And not only that, you treated us like a burden. And I just seen it when I was talking to him, it was going in one ear and out the other. And it wasn't, he couldn't admit, he couldn't admit the fact that he was wrong. And so the last words I said to him and the same things I'll say, to, I, 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 you know, I, I, I don't regret saying, I said, I will see you at your funeral. And that was the last thing I said. Hmm. And, um, yeah, haven't spoken to him since it has been his birthday, my birthday, um, father's day. Nothing. I, I, I look, anybody can make a kid, but it takes a real person to be a father. Yeah. And, you know, I see that now, especially with this younger generation and it's depressing that you see a lot of boys making children and they don't know how to be men yet. And then you see a lot of girls doing the same thing because there's no, there's not just bad fathers. There's a lot of uh, mothers that if it wasn't for section eight, they'll be fucking homeless and not have food for their kids. There's a lot of those. You just have these kids to make fucking checks. There's a lot of those, you know, so it's not just deadbeat dads out here. There's a lot of deadbeat mothers and that's, you want equal rights? There it is. Y'all, y'all can be deadbeats too. (laughs) You know, it's it's true. Yeah. You know, and it's like anybody can be a piece of shit. It doesn't matter who you are. You know, it takes a real individual, man and woman, to it to to suffer, to struggle, to go without, to teach people, to teach their children lessons that they wish they would have learned earlier, and that they learned from their parents. They, to to give more of to give more than yourself to to a piece of yourself that you brought into this world. That's apparent to me. And he wasn't. We were, I was his son by title and in public, but at home, I was nothing. So now when I'm an adult and I'm pretty much an open book with most of my life, he, people ask me about him. I was like, he's nothing. Uh, He's the dick I wrote in on, but that's it. So when did you start seeking therapy? I was, I want to say it was like January 2019. I got myself into therapy. Like they had me in counseling in high school um, just because like I had anger issues and stuff like that. They had this thing called resource and like you would go and just basically like sit and it was like for kids that acted up and I was one of those kids. Like I was so, I was so shy that I wouldn't talk. They would call on me and I wouldn't talk and I would just not answer questions, but I would get hundreds on all the tests. So they said I had like anger issues and, or, or, um, or I, I was a defiant. Hmm. So they put me into this thing called resource in junior high school. And then in high school, I started to come out of my, uh, my uh, emotions a little bit. So I started playing football. And then when I went to college, um, that's when, um, I really had to grow up as an individual because that's when I really, um, I always had girls I talked to, but that's when I had my first like true girl that I actually loved. And then when we broke up, um, it fucked me pretty hard. We actually had to go to counseling for that because I love really hard. And that was my first time sitting down and talking to somebody. And I told her 
and about like my childhood about why because she was trying to find out to the root cause of why i care so much about certain things and i told her like what happened to me and she's like you need more counseling than i can give and then i just stopped going from like 22 up until my heart attack so i knew that i needed to get myself like i knew i physically could do it but again it was like the mental parameters so i needed ment- mentally you know you need help therapist psychiatry and all this other shit so i was like all right my insurance covers it. So I went and I've been, I've been in it ever since. Like it's helped me um, tremendously, not just for weight loss, but just for my mental health in general. Like I just, I knew I needed to do something to get the thoughts out, to get the pain out of me, like, and to relinquish it, you know, cause it's, it's just you're holding this ball of like anger and regret. That's nothing you could have did. Like, you know, I now look at it like, look, it happened. It happened to me, but there was nothing I could do to stop it. You know, like at that point in time, like I, I couldn't I'm not strong as I am now. Like I can't fight off a grown man, but like shit happened, you know? And now being a stepdad and having like that mindset now I'm just I protect them like it's my life's on the line you know like my stepdaughter my oldest one you know I'm hard on her you know because I don't want her to make the same mistakes I've made and done this crazy stuff and stupid stuff that I did you know like when I was dealing with the pain I would go out and I would drink I would smoke I would do drugs and whatever and I don't want her to go down that line You know, like if you have pain, it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to express yourself. Don't feel guilty about it. You know, I always say like, look, if you have to sometimes to heal a wound, you have to open it up completely and get to the root cause and then you heal it up, you know, like then you go through that whole process and and that's how it is. But January, I want to say mid-January, like 10th or 11th. 2019 i had had my first therapy session um and i've been in therapy ever since i will either have it it was used to be like once it used to be daily and then it was it turned into once a week once every two weeks and then it's been once a month um for the last three years and just that once a month is just having somebody to talk to that's impartial, mm. you know, that can um, you feel comfortable opening up to. Because if you feel therapy doesn't work, you're right. Because if your mindset is set to that, then it won't work for you. But if you feel it can work, then it will work. Having the right therapist as well, too. So, like, if you have if you have a therapy session and you don't like the therapist, it's OK to switch it up. It's definitely okay to switch it up because not every therapist is going to work for you. It's like putting on a pair of pants. Some pants fit one way, some pants fit terribly, and some pants would be like, "Wow, this is the best pair of pants I've ever had." It's it's that it's literally as much as I nail it down to that simp that simplistic look. It's really is that simple. Sometimes, like it's just having the right person to talk to, and then finding who the right person to talk to is. You know? Did you go through a couple of different ones? I went through about. I went through two. So the first one, um, I feel more comfortable opening up to women 
than a male therapist. I, I've always, I've even now, like I've, I can talk and anybody thinks I'm flirting. I'm not, I literally just feel more comfortable talking to women. I just, I've always been that way. Um, maybe it's because of what happened to me as a child and like, but I've always felt more comfortable talking to women. So I had a male therapist and he was good. Um, I just didn't have like a connection. And then, um, this last therapist, I've had her for three years. Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably need somebody to talk to and it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not weak to talk to somebody. And I think there's a lot of culture where they think it's like, if you have an, an issue, you have to just suck it up and bear it. And I dude, think that, I'll, I'll that does a, nothing good for us. It really doesn't. Like, dude, when I said I was in therapy, like, I'll just be real. Being black, we, we like, there was nothing like you, 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 you sucked it up and deal with it. It's just the side effects of being black. You got, you can't do this. You can't do this. You have to do this. Strong black man. And I'm like, bro, I fucking can't. Like, I got to talk to somebody. Yeah. Like, it's, in, you know, like, even my mom who, like, she would say, she's like, you're going to therapy? It's like, yeah, I got to go. Like, I need help. Like, I, I, can't, I can't do this all by myself. Like, world's too hard. There's too much shit out here. It's like, the world's literally at my fingertips. You know? And it's like, every emotion that I'm dealing with, I don't know what the fucking is going on. I need to, I need somebody to help me navigate it. Like you can't suck it up all the time. Yeah. There are times where it's like, you, you just, I wish it was more normalized, but it's not. And you think you in today's day and age of like acceptance, like people look at you sideways and you say, Oh yeah, I'm in therapy. You know, like you, you, it's almost like you shouldn't talk. It's like, they want you to get it, but don't talk about it. Mm. You know, so it's very hard sometimes. Like, like for me, like I'm very open to the fact that look, I, I was fucked up for a little bit. I had to go get help, and then I, now I'm in a good enough place so I can talk about it because it's it's okay to to say you're not okay. It's okay to say, hey, look, I'm a little, she's uh, not going good right now, or like, hey, I need help. Because how can anybody, if you have like that core group of people, how can any of them be there for you if they don't know what the fuck's going on? Mm-hmm. Or, or the processes of what you think you might have to take, you know, like, like when I, when I got myself into it, I said, I, I talked to my core group of people. I was like, look, I'm not, I'm, I'm just not good right now. So I'm a, I, I still love y'all, but like right now I got to do me and take care of me and like my brain because it's just not good. And they understood. And that's, that's a big thing because a lot of people don't. And it should be talked about more, especially as men. Like it's 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 not a feminine thing. It's a, that's a real world thing. You, you gotta get yourself some help. Yeah, it's um, like like you mentioned earlier. You can't help somebody if you can't even help yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's like the brain's a weird thing because it's a thing that's supposed to be telling you are okay, but sometimes it's telling you are fucked up. Yeah. And like I said, sometimes you have to have an outside source to be like, no, this is what's really going on. This is the root cause of what the issue is. Yeah. And even that, it's like to even have somebody that will tell you, like, look, what you're feeling is normal. Mm. You know, like it because, you, you know, you can get in your own head and think like, oh, man, I'm fucking crazy or some shit like that. Like and somebody could tell you, like, no, this is this is normal. Like I, sometimes, like when you go through certain feelings and emotions, you think like, what's what's wrong with me? versus what is this exactly what am i feeling like you know removal of yourself from the moment to take a step back and have and see things like with that third eye view and whatever like sometimes like 
the ability to do that is not a lot of people have that. Mm. They're just in that moment and they're stuck. And even with weight loss, they're just in it and they're stuck and they can't seem to get their way out of it. They're just like fighting out of a paper bag. And sometimes you need that help. Like there's, there's nutritionists, there's food therapists, there's regular therapists, there's psychiatrists, there's online coaches, there's like actual proper online coaches, like there's nutritional coaches, like people that will are there to help you. You just got to find out which one works for you and which level do you feel you need? You know, like if you feel you can do it all by yourself, Hey, more power to you. Cause I couldn't, I couldn't like, I lost 230 pounds in 11 months. Jesus. And I, I was like, I did it all the wrong way. I did it all the wrong way. I just basically said, I'm having salad and chicken. And I would have that, two to three times a day and that was it and i didn't realize how much i was just screwing up and going through all this stuff and i didn't know why i was emotional i crashed my testosterone you know like i went and got blood work for my physical because i was trying to figure out what the hell is wrong with me and i was like yeah you are you need to eat more (laughs) you know you're, you're slowly starving yourself yeah and now you know like i'm in a good enough place where like I actually have people that come to me for help and I help them, you know, like I coach them like, I give them nutritional ideas. I give them facts. I give them like the opportunity for somebody that's gone through it. And I did everything wrong. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, everybody looks at me and says, Oh, you look so great. It's like, yeah, I, you don't know how much I fucked up. Like, <laughs> like you know, like it's, it's hard to tell people. It's like, look, like it's okay to fuck up. I learned from it. So it's not a mistake. A mistake to me is when you constantly do the wrong thing and you don't learn from it. Yeah. I learned from what I did wrong. And now that I can tell you what I've done wrong and I can show you what I've done wrong. Like I show, like I did my, I did a bodybuilding competition in November, um, 2019. I did, it was an NPC, um, New Jersey. And I, I dieted down to like 170 pounds. I did. I went from like my peak on January 1st, 2019, because I'm a New Year's resolution weight loss. January 1st, 2019, I went from 435 pounds to November 19th, 2019. I was 170 pounds on stage. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Mm-hmm. I did it all wrong <laughs> and I, <laughs> I felt and looked like shit. Like I was like, cause I fell in love with bodybuilding and I've always lifted weights. And when I played football, I've always loved being strong, but man, I did it all wrong. And I was like, I really like bodybuilding, but I got to figure out how to do this shit. Right. So I began to really like research how to do it properly and how to put on muscle while maintaining um, a leaner look. And then after a certain point in time, my weight got up, my strength got up, my size got, I got bigger, I got bigger and I got stronger. 
And even that sometimes when you start on like those muscle building journeys after losing so much weight, it can fuck with you when you see the scale going up mm-hmm. and having to really check, check your mind and be like, look, this is what you have to do. And it's scientifically proven. The scale may go up, but you're going for this. You want to be healthy and look healthy. Sometimes your leanest doesn't mean you're healthiest. Mm-hmm. Just like your heaviest doesn't mean healthy. Like, which to me is what destroys the health at every size because you can be too skinny and you can be too heavy. Mm-hmm. There, there's there's the meat, the middle ground of where is where you need to be. You know, you can be a little chunky because everybody loves a thick girl. You can be you know, you can be you can be a little lean because everybody likes the jack guy. You know, like, but there's a healthy medium of where you should be, and that's what you need to find for you, not for me, but for you. And I know for me, the health, the, the, the good spot for me at that time was around 200 pounds, 210 pounds. And I wound up really putting on a lot of size and a lot of muscle during COVID because I've, I started watching, um, um, Jared Feather and Dr. Mike Isratel on renaissance periodization and subscribing to a lot of their stuff from like pure based science scientific hypertrophy training nutrition and bodybuilding and then trying to learn through much as that and then when gym started opening back up i just continued with that and i um improved my body improved my physique and went through so much growth internally where it didn't bother me that the scale was going up. It didn't, it didn't bother me if the scale went down. I literally just focused on getting my protein and eating carbs, which is people will say is like death. I lost weight eating carbs and I gained muscle eating carbs and really just focusing on how can I be better today? I don't give a shit what the scale says. How can I be better today? You know, okay. Like this is what I'm going to do to be better. This is what I'm going to do to be better. And it worked for me tremendously because I grew physically, but I also grew mentally because now that's where everything started to click. Like, dude, don't give a fuck. Just look good, feel good. You're going to do good. It don't matter. Wow. When did you, when did you start doing the, um, the training for the, the championship, uh, transformation category? I, well, after the first competition, um, I was like, okay, I want to put on as much muscle as possible. So I didn't even know about, uh, WBFF. Yeah. Um, until I saw, I think it was a YouTube video on, um, I want to say it was Fuad Abiyad. He was talking about Paul Dillette. And I've always, I was like, always a fan of his physique. Cause he was a freaking, he was a freak. And, um, they had something, they were talking about him. And it was about him and Greg Kovacs about who was like one of the freakiest bodybuilders you ever seen. And so I Googled him and they said, Oh, he's the owner of WBFF. And then I was like, okay, he does a transformation thing. So I saw a possible Pat had did it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. And then, um, my friend, um, John Carlo fat free JC on Instagram, he did it. And I, I asked him, I was like, how was it? He's like, it was one of the best experiences ever. And I signed up for it. I, I was going to do, Actually, I didn't sign up for that. I was going to do, so I signed up to do a WBFF show in New England out here, which is literally in Providence. And I didn't feel ready. I, I had some, um, 
I was like, I got in my own head a little bit and I was like, man, I'm just not there yet. I'm lean, but I'm not there yet. And so I was like, I, I pulled out of the show. And then we had last year was Fitness Atlantic in Connecticut. And so I went to that show and they recognized my transformation because they don't do winners and losers. They just recognize like five transformations and whatever. And they recognized my transformation. And I felt like I was like, all right, I was like, all right, I look okay. And then I was like, okay, it's April. Um, the world championship is in August. How much could I realistically push it? How much could I realistically push it? Like how good could I really be? So I really went into, um, like I went into a different, um, training cycle, um, where I went instead of doing like the prototypical thing for most bodybuilders is to push high reps. And like, when you start to try to like, Oh, we're going to squeeze and get all, I was like, it's like, what can I really do if I truly just push myself? So I realized with like my training that if I train heavier and heavier is like eight to 12 in a rep range, like that's when my bones feel the best. That's where I don't, I don't feel so much muscular tension or joint tension. I'm sorry. I feel more muscular tension than anything else. So I changed my, my training style um, because I needed to grow my legs a little bit. And um, I pushed and I put on a ton of size. Like when I was at Fitness Atlantic, I stepped on stage. I was 210, 200 and no, I was 200, 208 pounds on stage day um, at Fitness Atlantic. And I then was like, I probably should, I probably could have been a little bit leaner. And then when I went to Vegas, when I stepped on stage at Vegas, I was 197. So I lost another just 10 pounds, but I didn't lose an inch. I didn't lose an ounce of muscle. And I can tell you right now, going into the, going in to that show, I was training hard up until the day I left for Vegas. And then I was eating, I was eating the lowest I got to was 2,700 calories. That was the lowest I got to. Jesus. And when I tell, when I tell people that they look like, oh, wow, that's, that's a lot. And I'm like, honestly, like my training and my diet and how I spaced everything out, I was eating, I think 200 grams of protein, um, about, 70 to 75 grams of fat because those are the two things that i would keep in because fat helps with like testosterone because like i'm not on steroids or anything like that or any like trt or anything like that so like i knew for me like i wanted to keep like my hormones in check just from the last time that i last couple times i've done like competitions so um and then i filled in the rest with carbs like dude i was eating pop tarts like just damn really i wanted I wanted, yeah, like there was a point in time, like at least because my body was just firing, it was yeah. just going and my metabolism was going. Like, so there was a point in time where if I ate, um, just regular chicken and rice and I had a high day, I could, I was still like dropping weight. And then, um, I would have, I would have about four, I'd have five days where I was in a, a, a lower calorie deficit where I would have around 2,500 calories. And then there would be two, there was one day where I would have a maintenance day, which at that time was 27 to 2,800 calories. 
And then there was a day where I would have a high day, which is around 31 to 3,200 calories. And the reason why I structured it that way was just because of the fact of I was in prep and like how we were talking about earlier needing mental breaks from certain things. Yeah. Like it was dieting from, I dieted from December to April for fitness Atlantic. And then I just stayed on diet from April to August for Vegas. So my mental was shit. So I just needed like some mental days. And so I knew that. And so what I did was I was like, okay, I wrote my whole diet plan. I wrote my training cycle. I wrote, um, how everything I was going to structure. So I had certain days where I would just structure in, like, I would have it written in like family time or I would have it written in like off meal. I would make sure that if I knew what was coming, I mentally could just power through the week to get to that. You know, like I would have like an off meal or a meal where I didn't track any of my food or a meal where it's like, I'm going out with my friends. I'm going out with my family. Like, you know, that, that I, I made sure of that because when you when for me, like with programming and programming, not just training, but also programming diet is how is your mental health going through the diet? How is your mental health going through the programming? How's your sleep going? So I log everything. So it was one of those things for me because I coached myself. It was one of those things for me where I was like, OK, I'm doing this. Let's do this the right way. So I lost weight. And I can tell you right now, I was probably everybody else was like dying or like, oh, my God, I don't know how I'm going to. I was like, dude, this is easy. This is easy. Like I because I put my mental health first. So if I knew knowing myself and being self-aware of what I what triggers me and what would help, what would hurt me would be just dieting on chicken and rice for like eight months straight. Right. I would have. OK, here's an off snack. OK, have some pop tarts. OK. We talked about donuts. Okay. You're going to have a donut. You're going to have donuts on Thursday. Okay. I'm going to get through. I'm going to get, I'm going to use what I got to do to get Thursday. Okay. The kids want to go see like the newest Marvel movie. Okay. Marvel movie. That's going to be an off meal. I'm going to have chicken tenders and popcorn just so I can socialize with them. You know, and that was what I did. And it helped out with me tremendously. So, I mean, I did a, and that's how I did most of my diet and that's, and it worked out great for me. Hmm. So when did you notice you first had a problem with your weight? I want to say when I was five, when I was four, I was like, I was always taller. I was like 60 pounds. And then when I was five, I was like 120. I gained 60 pounds in a year. And then one year I went from 120 that year. I went from when I was six, I was five. And then I was six. I was 140. And then when I was seven, I was 200 pounds. You said at seven. Yeah. And did anybody in your family ever say anything to you? No, because you were all heavy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so when did you get up to like, what do you say, 436 or 430? 435, yeah. And how old were you then? 33. I've been, I was 300 before I went to high school. I was like 300. I was 310 um, when I was 13, 14. 
Did you carry the weight well? with your are you are you really tall? Yeah. I'm six. I'm six one. So okay. like I I've always mm-hmm. been able to carry my weight well. Like my sister's heavy, and like you wouldn't even know it. Yeah. Like my sister's five. My sister's five eight and carries her weight very well. My mother's. Uh, my mother did. My father did. We all carried our weight well. Mm. Like we all we just big. We were just big people. Like yeah. you know, even now, like when I'm two hundred and two hundred twenty two pounds now, and people like when I tell you like I'm just a naturally wider shoulder taller thicker hipped person so i'm always going to be a little bit bigger mm-hmm. you know and like i carry like my lower body is very very heavy but i have broad shoulders which makes it even worse yeah so like i i if i look even when i was i got to i bulked this year and i was 245 pounds and i didn't i tell you right now i did not look 245 everybody kept saying i was like oh you're 215 you're 210 i was like buddy i'm like 30 pounds above that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it's just like it's just natural for me to have to carry weight so did you ever when you were like 300 pounds say hey i have a problem i need to lose weight or what was your aha moment i tried a bunch of times so when i i so when I got into football, I was 330 pounds. I was 15 years old. Um, and then my coach, he was like, oh, you know, drop some weight. We need a heavyweight for wrestling. So I dropped weight in high school and I went from 330 to I ended the year, my sophomore year going to my junior year, I was 230 pounds. Um, so I lost 100 pounds in high school. And then from the from June for where we stopped at my sophomore year, to going to my junior year, I went from 230 pounds to 280 pounds in one summer. And then I dropped the weight again. And then I kept that weight off my junior and senior year. And I graduated at 255 pounds. Um, after high school, gained all that weight back, got up 340 pounds. Held that through college and um, up until the point where I was 27. And then I was 340 pounds. And then I was like, yeah, I was 27 years old. And then I got like kidney stones and I got really, really sick and I lost weight again. I went from 200 and well, 340 pounds to 220 pounds. So I lost another hundred pounds again. Um, couldn't sustain it, gained it all back in one year plus some. Um, so by the time when I was 30, I was 360 pounds. And then after that, the scale said E and I didn't know how much I weighed anymore because I didn't go to the doctor. Mm. So I lost. So this is the third time I've lost weight. Um, But in totality of like all my weight loss journey, if you add it up, it's almost 500 pounds. And what was the point now? You said the heart attack was not really a wake up call or it was a wake up call wasn't it wasn't what saved me was like i said my stepdaughter was pregnant um my grandson's first christmas so i saw him opening gifts and i was like that boy is gonna need me Mm. and up until this point i was rationalizing everything and like i was getting life insurances and stuff set up so that way um, if I drop dead, like my family would be taken care of. And like, I was hoping and praying that it would happen at work just like it did the last time. Because if you die at work, you get paid more money. Your family gets paid more money. So I was, I was really like, I was really fucked in the head with that. But when I saw him opening Christmas gifts, 
um, and the joy on his face, I was like, I got to change up. And because we do Chris, they do Christmas on um, Christmas Eve. So we opened everything on on December 24th. And then Christmas Day, like you just, you know, you hang out and you chill with your family and stuff like that. Watch Christmas movies and whatever. And um, I had December 26th. I was like, okay, I got to get my shit together. And then January 1st, I got my membership to Planet Fitness and I got to work. And that was, that was it. That was it. Just looking at my grandson, I was like, I got, I, I, cause he's innocent. Yeah. He's six, he's six months old. Like he's innocent. Like he, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. The only way to be, and I talking about with my dad, the only way to be a man is you get to see one. So mm. I had to show him, I had to show him the way I had to. And even to this day, he's five years old. I still tell him, this is why this happens. This is what happens with here. This is, this is why I'll show you the way boy. I'll show you anything that I can. And even if I don't know it, like see how I react and where I'm, where, how I am when I don't know something, I'm still going to find a way. Like just trust me, boy, I, I won't lead you astray. I got you. So that's, that's my why. Yeah. Cause Gene Carlo also, also, yeah. did Gene Carlo um, also had, um, and it Juan Carlo. I thought it was Gene Carlo. What is JC's name? John Carlo. John Carlo. Uh, J is it's like J E N though. Oh, okay. okay. Well, he was, I remember him telling us on here one time that he his wake up moment was when um he was at a doctor's office and his doctor was like, "Do you want to die and you know pretty much like you said and leave your son behind because if you keep on yeah. going according to what you're doing, he's not going to have a father." Yeah. And that's what he said. That was the. When he left there, he started the next day or that day or something like that. And I was like, damn, man. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's what he told it's you true, to find though. your why. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's um, courage in the face of fear. Like, that's all it is. It's courage in the face of fear. I was scared shitless, but I knew that boy was going to need me. And I got. And if I can show if I can get up and get the work, that's all I can. That's all I can do. That's all I have to do. You know, like. It's it's the hardest thing in the world to admit you're afraid. But as soon as you speak it out loud, a little bit of that fear goes away. And you know what you have to do. You know, with something that's standing in front of you away, you got to conquer it. And even with him, like he's five years old, he's going to go into kindergarten. He's like, Levi, I'm scared. I was like, boy, you're going to be fine. Everything that you have learned to this point has set you up. And I will be there every step of the way. We would we did this men's retreat a a few weeks back and they were asking people, what is their purpose? And people were like, well, I don't know what my purpose is. And I think that's what our purpose is, is to help other people. Yeah, I agree. I think it is. I think when you have so many people out here that need help and that seek knowledge, you can't just give it to people for free. They got to want it. Yeah. You know, you you it's. I always, I always, I really do feel like it's not an obligation for me to help others, but if I can make it a little bit easier, just so that way, whether it be friends, family, or just somebody that I don't even know, that they just, it gives them a spark, mm. you know, you know, like we, we, the best way for any culture of to grow is to, is through stories. Yeah. You know, like the stories, you know, we always hear, you always see movies that come out like the story that wasn't told or 
like you have like stuff where you see movies that are done on like the Native American people. They talk like, you know, how we talk about our ancestors is through our stories and that's passed down to our children and our children's children. Like, you know, the sharing of knowledge is not just of what's in a book. It's about what's in life, you know, and so many people just lose sight of the fact that my life is just a story. It's a story that can be told to somebody to inspire. It can be told to somebody that it might piss them off. It's all open to interpretation, but it's my story. You know, you know, I'm, I'm the author of my book. Mm. I'm the author of my book. And if you're lucky enough to either hear about it or read it or pay attention to it, or if it's something where you like, oh, I can't stand this shit. Why would I listen to this asshole? Like, hey, you have your opinion. But I'm the author of my book, and I'm turning the pages the way I want to turn them and when I want to turn them. And you don't owe that to anybody. You don't even have to share it. It could be a diary. You know, diaries are not told. You know, but I like from I I feel for me, you know, I I want to tell the story at, at least to try to help somebody, but especially for my my kids and my grandkids. So how did you get started on your social media journey? What made you decide to put yourself out there for people to see? I was pure based on a dare. It was I had posted on because I didn't show any pictures. And I posted on Instagram, like, yep, at the gym. And one of my um, friends that I went to college with was like, bullshit, yeah, at the gym. He's like, prove it, take a picture. And so I took a picture of me at the gym. And I posted it. I didn't do any hashtags or anything like that. I was petrified of posting it because everybody seen how big I was before. And I got, like, a bunch of really nice messages. And so I just started posting more and posting more and posting more. And then me and my friend, um, Nigel, who owns a gym out here, we started hanging out again and I would always post pictures and stuff like that. And I was starting to find my way and people would always ask me, well, where's your loose skin? This and Because I have very good arms and good shoulders. So like people don't think like I have a tremendous amount of loose skin. And for the most part, I don't. For somebody who was as big as I was, I really don't. Um... But it's still there. And then I took a picture during COVID. I took a picture in my bathroom with no shirt on. I had so much anxiety about that. I posted it and I turned my phone off because I didn't want to see anything. I didn't yeah. want to see any comments or anything. I literally just posted it and turned my phone off. And then I got a call from my boss. And he's like, I've been trying to reach you. <laughs> and I was like, so I, I turned my phone on. And I had a fucking slew of messages and people thanking me for sharing it. And now my friend Nigel makes fun of me because he's like, can you take a fucking picture with like some clothes on? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like, so yeah, it's, um, that part of the journey was, it's one now that's very like easy, but man, if you would have asked me that three years ago, four years ago, I would have had an anxiety attack. Now, do you get a lot because of messages from people like asking for help or telling you that you've inspired them because of your posting? Yeah. So like, um, 
I get a lot of people that are asking for help, diet tips, tricks. How do you navigate through certain things? Um, a lot of the uh, more now than anything is more people just open it up about like their insecurities about their loose skin. So that's why I started taking a new route of like explaining certain things of like um, about loose skin, about body dysmorphic disorder, about binge eating, you know, having those little tips and tricks and talking about that because like it's all stuff that I battled and and for the most part, sometimes I still do like, you know, I'm getting ready to compete for summer shredding in October. I'm 22 weeks out, 23 weeks out. And I still think like, and I'm, and I've won a world championship. Like, am I going to be good enough? Mm. I'm, you see people online, you compare yourself to them, you know, like it, it happens, you know, am I going to binge eat? Like, you know, like when I, like it's, it's there, like, or is my loose skin going to be a problem? How can like, how can I present it in the, like you think about those type of things. And then, but for me, what gets me through is the fact that I know they're there. I know there's certain triggers for it, but at the end of the day, I still got to do it. I still got to do it. So like, you know, it, it, it it's, it, you gotta, you gotta nut up. Like it's gonna like, there's certain things where it's going to be, okay, this is, this is going to push me. All right. Well, push back. You know, this is going to test me. All right, fine. Bring it, you know? And like, you know, speak it into existence that you can't look how far you've come. So why would you let something like this stand in the way of where you want to go? Yeah. And, and that's, that carries me through so much. Yeah, that's uh, that's powerful right there, man. Yeah. So what's next for you? Yes. Winning Summer Shredding. And then um, just continually try to get and help more people that want to be helped. There's a lot of people that need to be helped. The people that really want it. And that's, that's the next step. I'm not looking to have like 100,000 fucking people on my Instagram. I don't, that's just, that's, that's too much. Yeah. I'm looking for people that like, I want people to realize that it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Mm-hmm. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And by being finished, it's not like, Oh, we're done, done. It's that you have achieved this first unlockable achievement, right? Something that you thought you could never do, you've done. And at the end of the day, the job is never the job is never finished, but the and the work is never done. But the first objective is clear: be better. However, you got to get there. Be better. If it's mental. You can do it. If it's physical, you can do it. If you believe you can't, you won't. If you believe you can, you will. And having that mindset shaped around those things is powerful. What would you say to somebody that's trying to get into a fitness journey? Like they've thought about it, but they just haven't pulled the trigger yet. Shoot. Do it. If you are scared, be scared. If you are afraid, be afraid and allow yourself to feel those feelings. And understand that they are just that, their feelings. If you give them the power over you, then you won't, you, you won't do it. This is your life. There's so much things in, the, in this world you can't control. But your health, for the most part, you can. Yeah. 
Yeah, I used to have a friend of mine. He used to always say that he was a control freak. And I'm like, how are you a control freak and you can't even control what you're putting <laughs> in your mouth? Yeah. You know, and it hurt his feelings when I said that to him. But then, um, you know, he sat there and thought about it for a while. And he was like, you're right. I mean, because that is one thing that is controllable that we can do. Like you said, is our is our health outside of like underlying issues we may not yeah. know about. <clears throat> Correct. You know, and that's all you can do. You can, you can it's let go, let God. If you, if you let go of the shit you can't control, let God deal with it. Or whatever being, or if you don't believe in that, just let it go. Yeah. Let it, let it, let it go. And then what you can control, and even that control is, is what you allow in your life. Understand that's your choice that you allowed it there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I always say we're the common denominator in our life, good or bad. So yeah. it's like if everything is always happening bad to certain people, it's like, well, you're the main reason why. You have to take some ownership. A lot of people don't want to take ownership in their life. It's hard to be self-reflective, too. It's like, hey, yeah, maybe 100%. I'm the problem. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Man. Well, guys, I hate to cut this short, but I got an angry mom that I just denied <laughs> like four phone calls from. <laughs> so she wants me to go see her for Mother's Day. So I got to go ahead and do that. But oh. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out to talk to me. And it really means a lot. Oh, we appreciate Thank you, man. You. Uh, where can people find you at? I'm on Instagram at fluffy to fit 85 That's the best way to find me. I'm usually on there the most. Um, and, like, yeah, i very responsive. So if you DM me, like, I, I have no problem answering any questions. Um, I have no problem talking to anybody. Like, please reach out. I'm, I'm literally just here to try to help out as many people as I can to learn from my mistakes and the bullshit that's out here in this world. Cause a lot of people they'll keep spreading and spreading and spreading just to get clients. I'm here just to help people. I don't, I give a ton of information away for free. So like literally my goal is to make sure that as many people as I can affect in a positive way, I affect. I like that, man. man. Well, appreciate you Levi and have a good Sunday and uh, happy mother's day to your family out there. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye.